Welcome to the Occult London podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write us a review and rate us on iTunes as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. If anyone has any questions for me, then I'd love to hear from them. So please reach out via Facebook or on email as I'd love to answer your questions. You can find my Facebook on the show notes or alternatively email me at occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy it. In today's episode, we are continuing with our little brief history of a couple of the incenses. So I wanted to talk about, um, we talked about frankincense in the last episode. And in this episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about the incense known as myrrh. And this is really a kind of brief sort of history overview of these two incenses, which I thought would just be interesting because they are the most commonly used. And um, I wanted to personally kind of do some deep, deeper research into their background. So I thought I'd share some of my findings with you. So in terms of the incense myrrh, um, it's a resin, obviously. It's got a very bitter taste and its name, um, according to my research, is derived from the Hebrew myrrh or maror, meaning bitter. It's a gum resin which is obtained from the species of comifora tree and there's over 50 species of these tree in Africa um, apparently so it's in sort of Somalia and Abyssinian as well. The trees are quite small and they're from the Bursaracea family and apologies if I'm not pronouncing that right, native to the bushland that covers the drier parts of northeastern Africa, Somalia, Arabia, Madagascar and India. And myrrh itself is also found in Ethiopia, Iran and Thailand. The major commercial source of myrrh itself is known as Comifora myrrh. Um, and although obviously there's lots of different varieties of this as well, it basically looks... You know, it's a very sort of thorny tree, um, which kind of grows in thickets up to a height of about nine feet and in, you know, quite dry, humid climates. It's got a very sort of grey trunk, which is thick, and the main branches are knotted with smaller branches protruding off at right angles and ending in sharp spines. And it's got this very kind of unusual hairless toothed leaves with a large terminal leaflet and two tiny uh, leaflets on the bottom as well and then they have these beautiful yellow red flowers that grow on stalks um, in elongated and branching clusters and they're about sort of five millimeters long and come out just before the rains um, the, the tree also brings out these small brown fruits that are about one half centimeter long which taper into a beak and it's kind of a sort of shiny shimmery color as well um, similar to frankincense, the, the resin is collected as this strong aromatic yellow liquid from sort of natural cracks and cuts in the tree bark, which dries into an amber or reddish brown coloured lumps. And the tears or tears, well, they're known as tears, this, this resin when it comes out of the tree. So it's in different sizes. And the average of that is kind of a, a walnut size. And it's got a very sort of rough and powdered quality and the pieces are very brittle and sort of semi-transparent and oily. And um, it's very flammable as well. 
Um, and then they obviously gather this, they distill it into a, you know, an oil as well, which is uh, myrrh oil, which is very similar properties to the resin itself. Um, in terms of the historical use of it, uh, as I said before, myrrh, frankincense and myrrh are some of the oldest incenses in the world in terms of records we have. Um, myrrh was mentioned in Egyptian medical texts in 2800 BCE and is one of the herbs mentioned in the Ebers papyrus, which documents over 800 medicinal recipes. Ebers papyrus is one of the oldest preserved medical documents, which was... Um, yeah, it's basically a collection of scrolls that was found and it contains over seven 700 magical formulas and folk remedies and also quite a lot of, sort of different incantations to turn away disease-corning demons and also um, uh, and also other kind of you know herbal um, medicines as well. Um, so some of the things it talks about in the Ebers Papyrus, it talks about this uh, treatise on the heart and describes that the heart is the centre of the blood supply with vessels attached to every member of the body. And it also talks about the kidneys and the heart being the centre point of the of the body and carrying all these fluid through the body. And um which is really fascinating that the, the Egyptians knew about all the functions of the of these different parts of the body. And this is way, way before um, you know, any kind of modern understanding of of biology from today's standpoint is so it's interesting how do they know that um also talks about mental health in the Ebers papyrus which is quite interesting so they talk about depression they talk about dementia um and how you know the egyptians kind of conceive of mental and physical diseases in that way and also other things like contraception pregnancy gynecological um you know stuff parasites skin problems dentistry etc so this was all in there and Mers have mentioned quite a bit in that particular papyrus in terms of um being a being something you burn but also something that you would uh that would be part of a, a medicine so um i'm not recommending that anyone actually does eat myrrh but it did it did make did form part of some of these ancient um recipes and medicines um in terms of that obviously the egyptians would have used it for medical reasons but also they used it in their temple rituals and embalming um, it was also burnt in temples of babylon greece india rome and china and it's also one of the ingredients of the famous magic inducing incense which is known as kiffy and the ointment metopian which was used for treating infections and wounds what is metopian uh, good question. It was an ointment apparently which included bitter almonds and myrrh that was meant to be able to rejuvenate a man. And there's a recipe that goes, anoint a man with it. It is something that repels a cold from the head. If the body is wired with it, what results is rejuvenation of the skin and repelling of wrinkles, any age spots, any signs of old age and any fever that may be in the body. So it sounds like a miracle cure, really. Um, and, uh, you know, possibly similar to sort of Vicks Vapor Rub or, you know, a really hot curry. It sounds like it's something that really kind of warms you up and brings in that kind of internal fire that's very kind of healing and sorts ourselves out. So maybe we need more of that today, um, you know, with all this coronavirus going on. 
Um, in Chinese medicine, myrrh was known as mo yao, and the use of myrrh was recorded as early as 600 CE during the Tan Dynasty, where it was used as a wound healing herb and a blood stimulant, as well as ritual incense. And like frankincense, myrrh was also an important trade item for, for many thousands of years. Um, it was used with many different purposes, similar to frankincense. So, you know, it would have been used as a primary ingredient in incenses, holy oils, uh, inspiring prayer, deepening visualization and revitalizing the spirit. And you can see that particularly within the, you know, Catholic church and, you know, modern uses of it is still heavily used in uh, various kind of Catholic ceremonies and mass, etc. It's also used to fumigate the body to promote cleanliness and stimulate immunity. And it continues to have a you know really important role in um, cosmetics and, and perfumes, etc. And also used to treat cattle and camels and burnt to repel snakes as well. So, yeah, that's just a quick overview of some of the uses of myrrh. Um, ran out a little bit out of time today. I was going to talk a bit more about its use in kind of Hebrew and Christian culture, but we'll probably look at that in a in a future episode. Hopefully this has given you some food for thought anyway. Um, coming up, we've got a whole series of episodes on magical rites in the Western mystery tradition. So I'm going to be looking at different things like banishing rituals, uh, invocation rituals, uh, less man and ritual pentagram, um, hexgram, etc, etc. So stay tuned, definitely listen to those if you are interested or if you've enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review as that will really help us. Um, I'm also adding some more social media links onto the show notes. So if people want to follow on Twitter or, you know, Twitter, Instagram, etc., then please do. And um, yeah, hope you've enjoyed it. And please reach out if you've got any questions. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye.